Welcome to this week's podcast by Celebration Church Rarotonga. We believe this message will empower and equip you to live a life of breakthrough. Thanks for joining us. The reason why excellence is important, excellence comes from, I believe, the fear of the Lord. The world wants to be excellent, and that's a good thing. But the, our motivation and our drive for excellence comes because we want to honor Jesus and we represent him in everything we do. Everything about us says something about us. Our manner, our speech, our habits, our behavior, our conduct, all begin to tell a picture and a story about what's going on in our life. So the law wants to have us in the realms of excellence, where things are done thoroughly, things are done with thought, the details are there. God is, it takes a big God Ready for this? It takes a big God to be concerned about the small details of life. The small details, Solomon said it's the, uh, it's the little foxes that begin to spoil the vine. It's the little things that can undo us in life. The little attitudes, the little heart content that's not honoring to the Lord and so forth. So I want to encourage us to pursue excellence in everything we do. Everything we do. We should be the, the most excellent people on the block just because we represent the king. You know that. And so we need to commit to that. And it requires adjustments. It requires honest conversations. It requires, uh, well, I, you know, your wife, men, she's a gift from God. And she's not there to, to, to help you in your potential. She's to help you with your pitfalls. And so your wife actually is not to just say, hey, I serve my husband. No, your, your wife is an assistance. Okay, so, so that means she's able to help spot the blind spots, itemize the blind spots around our lives and say, hey, do you realize that sounds really arrogant? Or do you realize that that attitude is wrong? Would you mind picking up the stuff after you? And uh, these kinds of things we need. And ladies, we shouldn't, we, you shouldn't shut down. And uh, you need to be also embracing this, the strategic words that your husband had. Now, let me tell you this. This, uh, this is the truth thing. It's great, and I say this before, it's great to have people around our life that inspire us, that encourage us, that empower us, that bat for you in life. That's a great thing. It's an exciting thing. But if we don't have somebody that's able to uh, confront us, if you like, uh, in, in, in a good way, and challenge us that we live a in a dangerous realm. We need people around our life that can spot things for us and begin to help us adjust. Amen? Yeah. Are we convinced? Yeah. Now, the Holy Spirit does that when we're in a relationship. And how many of you know that the Holy Spirit uses a wife? You're not convinced? <laughs> oh, he does. I can tell you. And the Holy Spirit uses husbands. Hey? All the men should be saying that's for sure. But they do. That's the beauty of marriage. Now, if you're not married, praise the Lord. That's, that's you know. But let me tell you, somebody is around your life that can help you. That can really. But what happened? I'm going to talk about this in the area of honor. We shut down on those kinds of people to our own danger and to our own peril. When it comes to excellence, I think it's a commitment. We have to make a lifestyle commitment and get ready. Now, ask the Lord. This is what we need to do. Lord, where am I average? Where am I shoddy around my speech? Perhaps the way I dress, my conduct, my attitude at work. Boy, we need the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Now, 
in Isaiah 11, 2, I think it is. Yes, it is. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, rest upon Jesus. Now think about this. Some people kind of say, oh, Revelation 2, Revelation 5, it's the seven spirits. But when you, it depends how you count the number. There's either six anointings here or there's seven. If you count the first one saying the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, then it comes to seven. And that's why some people say the Revelation 2, the Revelation 5 chapters are the same as this one. But what it's talking about is the Spirit, the anointing, the Holy Ghost, not seven different spirits, one spirit, seven manifestations, or six manifestations. That's how you read this or how you count this. But as it goes, the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon Jesus. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. We can pray, Lord, anoint me with the fear of the Lord because there's no revival until there's a reverence. There's no, uh, there's no sustainable breakthrough upon your life until we begin to come to the cross in repentance. Repentance is what holds the victory. The fear of the Lord is what holds the distance. And so one of the things that God is speaking to the nations of the earth, the body of Christ, is the area of the fear of the Lord before the glory of the Lord. And that's why you're hearing prophetic mes messages on how to tidy up your life. So it's not all just about the feel goods internationally. It's about, hey, God, you're creating a church without spot nor blemish. Now, that sounds really interesting. God is creating a church without spot nor blemish because how do you live a life and how do you pursue a life that's without spot nor blemish? I'll tell you what the Lord does. He brings legislation around our life. He brings policies, governing policies around our life to squeeze out the, the, the dross out of our life. He brings pressure around our life. So like Job says, as the Lord has dealt with me, I shall come forth as gold. And so that's what, if the Lord is convicting you right now, you're in a good place, okay? The key is to submit to the workings, the dealings, and chastisement, if you like, of the power of Jesus in our life, because God wants to get into the container of our hearts, get around the pride and the arrogance, the hidden pride, the jealousies, the comparisons, all the unbelief and attitudes, and He wants to get that out because He wants to get right in and wants he's in, he wants to get right out to a lost dying world. Amen. And so anyway, so we come in now, we hop right into the fear of the Lord. And this is how we look at this. Last week, we spoke about the fear of the Lord and uh, 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 sorry, honor, I should say the fear of the Lord. And the word honor is an interesting word because you could argue and say in our world today, we're progressively losing honor or the principles of honor that help build a great community. Honor will help build the soul of a church. It'll help build the soul of your family where you begin to honor, begin to value, begin to lift up and esteem one another. We esteem the high, we esteem the low. And that's the spirit of Jesus. Honor means to cherish, it means to value, to hold in high regard and to esteem a person and a group of people. Uh, the counter to honor means to dishonor, it means to devalue, to bring down low, to ignore, to count as worthless or valueless. They have no purpose for me around my life. Let me say this, and I said this last week, there would never be a divorce in the church if there was honor. There wouldn't be an ounce of pornography in our community if there was honor. Huh? There wouldn't be an abortion if there was honor. Because God esteems every person. He esteems the baby in the womb. And also euthanasia, he also esteems the aged. So who's in the boat now? You've got the aged person in the boat. 
You've got the young fella, strong, stropping guy that can row the boat. And you've got the little girl over there that's, uh, uh, that's, that's suffering, if you like, that she's ill. She's got a couple of broken heads. Who do you chuck over first? Because the world thinks in terms of let the fittest and the strongest survive. That's not so in the kingdom of God. Nobody gets thrown over the boat. You understand that? Nobody, because God values the old lady that's dying of cancer, and he also values the little child in jeopardy in the womb. You understand that? So God celebrates humanity. He cherishes every single person, regardless of the culture, regardless of the creed, regardless of what religion, everybody is esteemed by Jesus Christ. There would never be a rape if there was honor. It's true. There wouldn't be a church bust up. There wouldn't be half the conflict they were in if the principles of honor were manifest and displayed and shown. Amen? Drunkenness, homosexuality. There wouldn't be the bending and changing and redefining of families if there was honor for the word of the Lord and there was honor for home. That's how it is. So what, what God wants to do, he wants to bring honor into the church. He wants to bring honor into your life. He wants to bring honor into my life. So it doesn't matter what a person believes now. Now, now let me qualify that. What, regardless of what a person believes, regardless of the, what their social status is, regardless of where they hang out, God still sees every living soul, and they all have, and you have, and I have, and they have, we have intrinsic value because we've been created in the image of God, in the image of God, male and female, we've been created. That's very important. So I believe God, as a building block for our life, wants to release the spirit of honor before he comes. So the fear of the Lord, it releases a couple of things. It releases the spirit of excellence because we represent the king. But it also releases honor that we would cherish people. And that the next time we're walking down the road, the girl that serves you, the air hostess, the man, the janitor, Remember this, that God observes intently how we treat people we don't think we need, the inconveniences of life. I've got some scriptures there that I won't tell because of time, but essentially God examines thoroughly. He investigates the heart. He investigates our intentions. Right now, the Holy Ghost this morning or the Holy Spirit this morning was actually scanning to see if we were worshiping in spirit and truth. That's what the Father seeks. Do we have a distracted mind, a cluttered mind? Uh, we were disengaged. The Lord knows. And there are other people, there are people here today that really engage God. The Lord sees that, and that's pleasing to the Lord. And so the Lord scans things. The Revelation says he actually scans the heart and examines the heart of humanity. And so we've got to have the area of honor. The reason why there's racism today and the reason why one people group pits itself or pits itself over another people group in their heart is because of, we say racism, uh, it's because of dishonor. That's the reason why. But Jesus said we should love our neighbor as ourselves. This is a powerful message. It really is. Because it will change. The Bible says there's a reaping and a sowing, and it's a Genesis 8 principle. Uh, there's a reaping and a sowing. It's a universal spiritual law that happens for the Christian and non-Christian a lot of people say, oh, what goes around comes around. How many of you have heard that? What goes around comes around. And, uh, but the reality of it is we reap what we sow, and that determines where we go. And so we've got to sow into lives honor, sow into people's lives 
honor. And so let's deep, uh, let's go into this a wee bit here. God observes how we treat people we don't think we need. Number two. So it takes, you ready, number two? It takes a very secure person to honor a person when you have been dishonored by them. That's the spirit of Jesus. Okay, so in other words, camp around that for a little bit. It's this, is that somebody treats you with disdain. They ignore you. And so what we do, we try and shut them out, retaliation or pain time. No, but what it is, is this, we still honor them. We still esteem them. We still, the Bible says, to speak evil of nobody. We still begin to love them. And out of that, we're displaying the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So it's not about retaliation. Boy, that's, 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 a, that's a quest for all of us because the love of God should ooze out of our life. It takes a secure person. When you've been treated badly or your business has been maligned or someone's talked bad about one of your, your children or maybe your husband and wife, yet your response is gold. Your response is Christ-like. That's honor. Uh, courtesy comes out of honor. Manners comes out of honor. Respect comes out of honor. It's a very important thing for us. The kingdom of God, you must understand the kingdom of God when you get born again, you're born into something. You're born into the kingdom of God. The principles of the kingdom of God, one of the major principles is the spirit of honor. We honor the king, and the king honors us, and we're to honor one another. Right. 1 Samuel 2.30 talks about this. Those who honor me, I will honor. Those who honor me. I will honor. And I want to challenge you on this. I'm actually going to, I'm going to hit this area because I think it's critically important. And I'm doing it because I care for our future, our church future. I care for the body of Christ's future. We need to have eyes to see what is coming. Okay? And so uh, politically what is coming, but also what is coming, what God has for us, what is coming, and what's, what the opportunities around your world. Okay, so the idea is this. You've, one of the things is if we honor Jesus, we will honor what Jesus honors. We begin to see worth in people because he sees worth in people. We begin to love one another because he loves us. And out of the richness of who we are, out of the richness of what is within inside us, we begin to, that begins to come forth or begins to flow out of, the, out of our heart. And so the area of being planted in the house of the Lord is absolutely critical. We need to put a demand on the church. We're going to make church a priority. It's an absolute privilege to be part of God's kingdom, to be part of a service. I don't know about you when you got born again, that you just pinched down the ticket from heaven and say, praise God, I'm in heaven, and when I die, at least I'm going to go there. Who would want to go to hell anyway as a comparison? No, it was never about that, friend. It was about you having Christ in you, the hope of all glory. It's about you looking to him and loving him and, and looking to him, becoming like him. And actually, it was an exchange of life. to You gave your dirty, old, rebellious, broken life, sinful life, and so forth, and the habits around your life, you exchanged them on the cross, and you picked up Jesus. You picked up this, through the Holy Ghost inside of you, the Spirit of God inside you, yet the Spirit of God indwelling you at the point of salvation. That's how you picked up. So then we begin to love the things that God begins to love. We begin to honor and adore the things that God loves. I was telling you this the other week, I think that uh, in, um, in Korea, North Korea, North Korea, they've just arrested a family because they found a Bible, the living, life-transforming word for North Korea 
Korea. The enemy has found it, if you like, or the, uh, the police have found it. And what they've done, they've basically arrested the whole family, including a two-year-old son, part of the network of that family, and then put him in life prison. So a two-year-old little boy now begins to be subject to a prison sentence because of the Word of God. That is an anti-Christ system that needs to be called out with the spirit of communism needs to be called out for what it is. But look, the guy obviously knew, the family obviously knew, but they loved the Word. You could have said, oh, how irresponsible. He shouldn't have had the Word. No, it's just like, look, we only get one shot at living. We only get one shot at this. We don't want to die as failures in God. We want to be able to stack ourselves up right next to Paul the Apostle and not at least be ashamed. He ran his race, but you run your race with diligence, with excellence, and the fear of the Lord, with radical commitment, which is just basic bottom line Christianity. And when it comes to the church, I'm telling you, we've got friends in Africa and they walk 16 miles. 16 miles just to go to church on a Sunday. And they've got the little kids and it's raining sometimes. Some of them don't even have umbrellas. Yet they're desperate to sit under a man of God or a woman of God, I might say, and hear the word of the Lord for their family. It's amazing. And yet we've got five or six Bibles in our home. Some of us don't even read it. Some of us don't even study it. We have other priorities going on in our world. And the Lord looks at that and thinks, you're asking for revival in your nation. Revival comes out of a hungry heart. Revival comes out of a desperation. Revival comes out of Holy Ghost sacrifice. Revival comes out of fasting and prayer and people travailing in God and saying, God, give me a nation lest I die. Like Rachel cried out, give me children unless I die. It's got to be the, the heartbeat of the Western world. It's got to be the heartbeat of us crying out for God. Because in the nations, there is a hunger, a supernatural hunger that's coming from the fear of the Lord. It's been manifest through God's church. It's amazing. Because the future belongs to the hungry. So, those who honor me, I will honor. 1 Samuel 2 verses 30. And then we come in here, 1 Samuel 2.30, Samuel says, but now the Spirit of the Lord says, far be it for me, God says, for those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me, which is to treat with low esteem or slightly esteem, which means a trifling flow of blessing and esteem is God is going to give you in return. So in other words, if you honor God, God's going to elevate you and favor you. But if you diss him or if you bring him low or you treat him as casual and just a common familiar thing, guess what God is going to do? Low. You understand that. It's a Bible principle. Very, very important. Members of the household of God, we actually are in need of each other. Now, I know sometimes we don't think we need anybody. You ever been like that? I don't need, I've heard people say, I don't need anybody. And I thought to myself quietly, I thought, don't need anybody. Let's see what happens when you have surgery next time. What, are you going to say, surgeon, just rest up there, man. I know what I'm doing. Huh? No, no, we need one another. We need the cleaners, man, the high esteem cleaners. We need everybody. We need the preachers. We need the mothers with children. We need everybody. But we need people. And this is what's happened. I want to talk to you about this. God has placed people around your life, and often they are siblings, around your life that you totally need. And what happens is sometimes we begin to rebuke or, or, or resist the first representation in our life, which is our dad and mom. But when we honor dad and mom, it comes with a promise. It comes with a blessing and a breakthrough when you begin to honor and esteem dad and mom. But there are people around our life that we treat as a familiar thing. 
Because surely they aren't the victory, they aren't the provision, they aren't the supply, they're not the wisdom around my life. Now, you might be sitting next door this morning to somebody who's got the revelation for your life right now. Seriously. You say, oh, no, I would find that on the internet. Uh Uh-uh, it's not like that. You will find, look, when you were provided for, when there was counsel, when there was wisdom, when there was understanding, when there was uh, uh, prayer support, who did it come through? Most often it came through your friends or a network of people that you're hanging out with. It comes from the church. And so we've got to esteem and know those who labor amongst us. We must esteem each other because oftentimes somebody has the very uh, the very answer and solution to your need was within your network or orcos. It's within your reach. So you need to be able to discern those people. You need to be able to think, well, God, who, who have you got into my life? Who's around my life that you've got the answer for? But what happens is because they look different, because we've known them for years and years and years and years, we think nothing good could come out of my family. And I have to go overseas to get the revelation. That's not so. You have a hotline towards God. Now, maybe that you want to go overseas and be under a ministry and get a touch of God. I understand that. I, I, I do understand that. But essentially, it's hard to get past fasting and prayer, folks. It's easy to book a ticket into America. Sometimes it's best to stay home and fast and pray and actually travail God and allow the Spirit of the Lord to speak into our recesses of who we are and do an absolute shift. Do you, you see what I'm saying now? But, be, but around your life, there are people. Now, I know, sadly, there have been people that, have, that haven't recognized their own spiritual leaders and oversight, and they've gone for other counsel to their own peril. So there are people around our life, you ready for this, that are going to release the blessing for you, but also going to help you identify the pitfalls. So we've got to identify who these people are and not repel them, not treat them as casual. Now we go into this with Jesus. Jesus, and when you know Jesus and have a relationship with him, you'll see how blowout material this is. In Luke, Mark, Mark chapter 6, he goes, and you'll know this one if you've been in the faith for a bit, but he goes into his own home territory, Nazareth. Okay? Nazareth, and he goes there, and guess what happens? They said, hey, this is, the, this is awesome. They said they were astonished at what he could do, and they'd heard the story. So they'd heard the stories. They began to see some things, some of them, because they'd heard it, and they were astonished, and the next minute they said, well, hang on one moment. This, isn't this, isn't this uh, Mary, son, Joseph, son? Isn't he just a relative of ours? How can this be? And the Bible says they became offended. And then what happens? They become familiar with him, and then they shut down on him. So you see, there's a process. They become familiar because he doesn't look like us. We get, it's just like, yes, we need the, the, the major ministries, and that's really awesome. But let me tell you this, you might have a major ministry alongside your life right now. I found this scripture too in John 14. John 14. Uh, sometimes we never know who's around our life. Listen to this. Ready? Jesus answered and said to the woman of the world, if you knew the gift of God, come on. If you knew the gift of God and who it was who says to you, so I'm the, this is Jesus speaking, I'm the gift of God, and if you knew the gift of God and knew who's actually talking to you now, my goodness, the Son of God. Who is it that says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, me, and he would have given you living water. So Jesus walked, Mark 6, into the area. He had the needs for healing, probably financial uh, provision, restoration of marriages, 
uh, restoration of businesses, breaking poverty, breaking uh, mental illness around our lives. And he walked right into Nazareth, and the Bible says they couldn't, and they, they were offended with him, but they became casual with him. They treated him as a light thing, and they never received the blessing of the Lord. How about, and I want to I say that because how about there's people around your life? Dishonor. Who are we dishonoring around our life? Now, the Bible talks about this word. It uses the word receiving, welcoming. Did you know that uh, Jesse and the brothers couldn't even see that there was a life changer in their own household? He's just a younger son. You might have. Well, I mean, it's possible. You could have the prime minister, next prime minister in your household. They couldn't see it. And so they, they, they lined up all their oldest boys. They left him out. Samuel prophetically said, there has to be somebody else. Have you have others? And he said, oh, there's David. Bring him in. Rejected all of them and saw the heart of David and raised them up. None of those brothers, actually, if you trace it, none of those brothers were really part of the next kingdom, David's kingdom. Jonathan and others were, but not really the brothers. But what had happened, they couldn't recognize that within their own natural siblings' household, there was somebody great going to be there. So we begin to peg people down. Oh, you're not good enough. All this sort of stuff. No, no, no. Treat people with honor. You're excellent. You are good. You will be good. Matthew 10, 41. Let's go for the um, amplified version. It might be quite good for us. He who receives, which means to accept and welcome. Did you know we have to welcome people? Sometimes, look, I'll be honest with you. Come on. We're not saints, are we? Sometimes we look at someone and they've got clothes that we don't ring with. The way they're dressed, man, is different from my kind of mini culture. So automatically there's a prejudice. They say you don't get a second chance on a first impression. Already there's a prejudice at hand. Somebody's wearing something a little bit different. Somebody smells a little bit different. Someone comes from a little bit of a different tribe. And what happens is this, there's automatically a prejudice and a judgment we say, no, I'm discerning. No, we're not discerning. It actually borders. You ready for this? It borders. When you define what offense is, it actually borders into offense. <gasps> I'm not offended with them. I just think they're different. No, 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 no. You're prejudiced. This is true. Did you know, let me throw this out. You know the world is full of prejudice? Absolutely. They don't want to come to our church because we raise our hands. How prejudiced can you get? They like our music. There's a prejudice. They might, you say, oh, no, that's a preference. You'll be, you'll be surprised. The world is full of prejudice because it's from the soulish nature, from the carnal nature. But we want to, and it's not to say, oh, we have to believe everything and be gullible and walk into traps all the time. No, 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 there's wisdom with it, but you still honor people. Jesus, you ready for this? Still had dinner with Judas. Do you think Jesus didn't know? He absolutely did know that one, that in only in a few moments away, that he's going to be the guy, son of perdition. But no, he still ate with him. He still embraced him. He still welcomed him. We're to love our enemies as ourselves. And I think it's going to be a great habit pattern if we can retrain ourselves in the things of God to begin to love one another, treat one another in the world when they don't look like us, they don't feel like us, we begin to embrace them and we begin to love them accordingly. Like I said, I may not agree with how they live. And it doesn't mean that I'm going to be even silent about it. 
but it means that I'm going to have a compassion that goes beyond prejudice. You know what I'm saying? And that's the spirit of Jesus within us. Some people are backslidden. They feel they can't go to church. The enemy uh, uh, dishes out, if you like, condemnation upon them. But I think where lovers felt the message is heard. What adjustments do you need to make? What changes? What shifts? Uh, uh, what is it? People at work we just don't gel with. And did you know God will allow people around your network and around your life you just don't get on with? Think about this. There are people in your life, yes, not that far away from you that you just don't get on with, most of us. God will bring them into your life. Why? To highlight a deficiency in our character. But they are the very people that we need. Seriously, did you know we need enemies? Or people that don't like us? We like the people who cheer us, but there's the people that jeer us that often brings the refining work. When they begin to critique and criticize what we've just said or what we're saying, it's just like, well, let's look, Lord, let's have a look at this. And you realize, ah, there's a truth in what's been said. You pay money for that sort of stuff. That's called coaching. Seriously, but we don't see the coach in our enemies or the coach in the opposition or the coach in the other side. Ooh. <laughs> I'll give you a, this is a true story. Guy gets up, the big guy, uh, muscly guy actually, big guy, and uh, he's got the suit and tie on ready to, ready to preach after this guy, and he's sitting there in the front row in that on this big conference, and the guy gets up, uh, with a pink suit before him, real skinny guy, gets up with a pink suit. And he thought, who's this guy? Pink suit. And then he gets up and he begins to preach and speak. And he's kind of saliving out of the left-hand side of his thing. And he's sort of speaking like this. And he said, oh, my, come on, man. Get somebody with excellence. Get somebody that's good. And so he gets up and he shares the story. And he says, oh, it's so great to be with you. It's an absolute honor. Thank you for inviting me. And he said, the reason why I wear the, the suit that I've got on, the tweed suit here, I was given it. I was given it by the, the people that I work with amongst the mission field. And they sewed it together as an honor for me because we've seen many people give their hearts to Christ. And he said, some of those people that took them hours and hours to actually sew this thing together. <laughs> so that's why I got the suit on today. Praise God. And he said this, and the reason why I slurp like this, and I do apologize for it, and we're going to get a bit of this through my meeting today as I begin to attempt to try and preach the gospel, is because what happened is this. Over in the Kong over there, I was taken captive, and I, they put me on the ground. And one of the, uh, the captains of the militia group put his boot right into my uh, neck. And he said he broke some of the cords. So I apologize. I'm sorry. And sometimes I think to myself, mate, it's easy to shoot, shoot, isn't it? But we need to look. Why are people in rebellion? Because of hurt? Because of brokenness? Because of lack of love and all sorts of stuff? We need to actually welcome people into our life and embrace people into our life. Jesus did it. He did it with his enemies. He did it with Judas. He able to call out, I know, the, the Pharisees. I understand that, the balance there. And, 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 but to protect the disciples and to protect the, the, the growing of the possible church. But we need to reserve our judgment sometimes and be hesitant not to just to skirt off and begin to love one another.
very important for us. Matthew 10, 41. He who receives, welcomes a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And he receives a righteous man because he's righteous man will receive a righteous report. Uh, 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 sorry, <laughs> righteous man's reward. So the, the reason why this message is important because it's a building block for the presence of God. It's the building block for the anointing. When we begin to come with excellence before the Lord in the fear of the Lord, when we begin to come and have the fear of the Lord and begin to honor one another, watch what the Lord will do. If you enjoyed this message, feel free to subscribe and leave a review. We'd also love to hear from you. You can connect with us on Instagram or Facebook at Celebration Raro or visit our website celebration.atonga.com. Until next time.